This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. And then we have another man that I get to introduce tonight, and he's actually, I can say, a great friend. Back in the 90s, Jeremy was part of a team of people that came out to Mexico. So we met a long time ago. Yes, we are getting older. You're going to be 67, you said, in 10 years. I'm going to be 70. Just think about that. So I'm 60 now. I'll be 70. Um, and so 70 years young, thank you. Um, and, and Jeremy and I quickly became friends uh, during those times out in Mexico. And then um, through a series of different events and things, we kind of didn't see each other for a while. Uh, until like 2004 or 2005 in the gathering of apostolic leaders uh, from around the world that would come together at different times with Terry and Dave and, and teams of guys. And we instantly just became friends once again. We never stopped being friends, but we just connected uh, in heart and spirit. And now since that time, Jeremy's been out to Mexico many times and uh, as you all know, as of a little over a year ago, uh, we joined forces to work together as Christ Central Churches together. So that's a wonderful uh, thing that has happened. And not only that, we've been able to travel together now, just since this short amount of time, to Canada, uh, Mexico, obviously, Zambia, Ghana, uh, different places, the UK, working together. And we've teamed it up uh, with Anne being there as well. And I was thinking about what I should say, because there's many things you can say about people, and you want to highlight one thing. There's one thing in particular, besides many others, that I appreciate about Jeremy, also as Anne, is they're very kind, they have a real gift of encouragement, and I want to be like them, but it just is difficult at times for me. I, I, I travel with them, I say, they're so kind, and they're so gracious, and I want to be more like that, and so I'm trying to learn uh, that from him and from his wife. And obviously, um, we are friends on mission together, and it's great. When we came back from Africa just 10 days or so ago, we just said how wonderful it was to be able to do this together, and now with Joseph and Lily as well. It's just great that the Lord has linked our hearts together uh, to do what's, what God is doing with us all. So... I don't need to give him an introduction. Just open your hearts to a really gracious man, a kind man, a gifted apostolic man, and one that really, I can say too, just loves the Lord. He loves Jesus. So here is Jeremy Simpkins. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I was getting really excited to hear David Devonish speak, and then I was disappointed to realize that I was speaking. I thought, oh, good, I'm going to hear from Dave. I thought, oh, no, it's me. Um, I am so excited about tonight. I've been praying and asking the Lord what he would have uh, us look at, and uh, I feel he's put a real word on my heart, something I've not actually spoken about before in settings like this, but if you know Anne and I, uh, you will know the passion that we have for the nations, that you'll know that God's put on our hearts that actually there was a phrase a few years ago, from the north to the nations. And I think it was Dave Fellingham used to joke that Jeremy leads the north 
and the rest of the world. That's what Dave kind of joked about us. And I would want to communicate something with us tonight which stirs a passion for the nations of the world in our hearts. Now, before you accuse me just of being geographical, I'm not just talking about the geographical nations, although specifically I will speak about the geographic nations. I'm also talking about the nations down our streets. I'm talking about the tribes. I'm talking about the cultures. I'm talking about the people groups. I'm talking about where you live and where God has called you. So some of us, as I'll say at the end of this, will go to the ends of the earth. Some of us will go to the ends of our street. All of us will go to the ends of our comfort zone and we will touch the nations because God, that's the calling that God has put on our heart as Christ Central Churches. Now, it's interesting. I've just been reflecting on this, thinking, where are we right now? And I think actually we're taking a great offering tonight and I think God will stir some of us to give a little bit more. I'm just saying. I think you think, oh, that's it, I've given the offering. Mm. There's more. Not just finance, but as John and Kate were talking, it's about life and family and you giving yourself and making yourself available to God. And when he says go, as we were singing, we go. And where he tells us to go, we go. And some of us have got a little comfortable. Some of us have got a little settled. And I think there's a little bit of agitation of the Holy Spirit coming tonight just to stir us and just to provoke us. So I was thinking it was about 25 years ago, probably when Lee and I first started to connect together in the mid-1990s, when Terry Virgo, the father of New Frontiers, who, by the way, sends his love, sends his greetings, wish, wishes he could be here, and uh, he will be in other settings with us over the next year or two. You can read about that in the handbook. But Terry prophesied, and I think I said last night, it's always, I think it's the Lord, David. I think every time uh, in a New Frontiers gathering, you have to quote that we're more together than we had apart. I think that's, you know, it's one of the, I think that was the 18th value that Terry put in. And uh, the other prophecy that we always quote is this one about the bow and the arrow. Do you remember that one? Yeah. So Terry saw a picture of the United Kingdom, and I apologize to you for the image if you're from another part of the world, but just bear with me because it does affect you. Think about the United Kingdom, think about the southern part of the United Kingdom, and Terry saw a bow like an old-fashioned Robin Hood bow and arrow superimposed across the bottom of the United Kingdom, kind of where we were strong as New Frontiers. In those days, we had a northern region, a northern territory, I think it was based in Bedford. <laughs> and David was the man of the north, and uh, actually... God spoke to Terry, and it was like we're strong in the south, we're strong, we've got this strength, but God is going to pull the bowstring right up into the heart of the United Kingdom, specifically into the north of the UK and the north of England. And some of us were foolish enough to move from the comfortable south and actually go and relocate. Actually, Roger and Cheryl did it, and Harold and Dillis did it, and I'm looking down, there's many others of you who've done it. You moved on the strength of that word. God pulled the bow right up into the heart of the United Kingdom. Why? What was the point of that? What was the prophecy saying? It was saying so that arrows could be fired all over the world. 
right to the nations because God's heart is from this nation to the nations, to reach the nations of the world. Now, snapshot, it's only a snapshot, but right now, I just counted up. Right now, as Christ Central Churches, even as we've welcomed in Lee and his group of churches to partner with us to be together in Christ Central Churches, honoring one another's field of activity, honoring one another's gifting, honoring the fact that one another have specific areas that we're working in and yet saying we're stronger and better together. And the news that we announced yesterday in terms of Joseph and Lily now partnering with us and saying, we want to be Christ Central as well. We want to, we want to partner with you. And just counting up the number of nations that we're involved in, now it's something like 25 different nations. Let me tell you, it's in the United Kingdom, in England, in Scotland, in Northern Ireland. We're into Europe, in Sweden, in Norway. We're into the Americas, in Canada, in Mexico, in Peru, in Bolivia. We're into Africa, in Zambia, Tanzania, Kenya, Congo, Malawi, Ghana, Togo, Benin. We're into the Middle East, as we shared last night. We're into Cambodia that we'll share tomorrow. And actually, new links for us, even this year, through Andy linking into Romania, through Martin Charlesworth linking into Ukraine, through Joseph linking into Botswana, through our friends in Leeds linking into Uganda, through churches there and Sheffield and Leeds linking into India and China. That's quite amazing. That li this little group in the north, what it shows me is God is faithful to his promises. At the moment, we're serving some 275 churches in those nations. And I believe it's God's plan that that increases. And I want to say right at the outset, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for giving into the offering. It's as we partner together with the apostolic, with every local church, with every local individual in that church that we go together. It might be sometimes you send some of us physically off, but we are going with your sending capacity. And we want to say thank you for that specifically tonight. You see, it's always been God's intention to bless the nations. It's always been God's heart to fill planet Earth. When he looked and desired and in his heart created and with his mouth spoke out creation, it was so that the creation might not just be a jewel in the crown, might not just be a thing of beauty, but might be filled with his very own presence, that his glory, who he is, his manifest presence might fill all the globe. And he said to that very first couple, he said this in Genesis 1, 26, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill all the earth. You see, that was not supposed to be a little garden paradise where they stayed in the Middle East somewhere and just looked after one another and had a nice little party and a nice time together. God's plan for that first couple was that they would multiply and fill all the earth with image bearers of God. They were image bearers. They were reflecting his glory. They were like mirrors reflecting the glory of God on planet earth. And God's plan was that they would multiply themselves and that they would fill every square inch of, God, of this earth. And that's what Paul says. Paul writes in Acts 17 verse 26. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined 
the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God designed the nations and God loves the nations. Now, we very soon hear in this tragic story of God's creation of man's rebellion, of man's sin, of man's choosing to do it his way. You see, man was supposed to reign on God's behalf. He was supposed to be God's viceroy, God's reigning agent, reigning on God's behalf, reflecting his glory. But because of the tempter, because of the seductor, because of the serpent who came, who effectively said, like he wanted, you could keep a bit of that glory for yourself. God's holding something back from you. You could be the king of your own castle. You could actually have some of this yourself. And through man's sin, through his rebellion, very soon there's a crescendo of sin, of jealousy, of hatred, of murder. And it kind of culminates in those early chapters of Genesis, not just with strife and murder, but it kind of culminates in Genesis chapter 10. And Genesis chapter 10 is fascinating. And by the way, we are starting in Genesis 1, and we are going to finish in Revelation today. Just to let you know, set your watches. In Genesis chapter 10, it culminates in man's utter rebellion against God, where he builds for himself this tower and says, we will ascend to the heavenlies. And we will somehow pull God down. We'll somehow rule the world ourselves. We're going to be the kings of our castle. We're going to pull God down. We're going to ascend up on high. We're going to be the ones who rule. We're going to be the ones who reign. And God comes in judgment, even as they build this tower of Babel, even as they try and reach up and conquer God. God judges them and he comes and he scatters them. And he confuses their languages. I think Augustine said it was like a beautiful China doll that was smashed into a million pieces. And so nations and boundaries and borders and passports and languages and the free flow of people not happening and even political things that are happening in our own day, seeds of those kind of separations and we are this and we don't want to be that, all started there with that separation and that rebellion. And then God immediately, I love this about God, he restates his promise immediately. Because God's not called out by this. He's kind of sovereign. He's kind of Lord. He's kind of in charge. And though he always starts small with the first couple to fill the earth, he again starts small. He again restates his promise. And although we have that in Genesis chapter 10, where it talks about the 70 nations of the world. It's interesting if you just read them down, you count them, there are 70. That's an important figure. We'll come back to that a little later. And they're scattered, and it's the formation of these nations. And God again starts very small. He starts with another couple. This time, not such a great prime example of humanity. This time, not a beautiful young couple in their prime. This time, a rather decrepit, aged couple to prove that God is God and that God is good and that God can work miracles. And he promises to Abraham and Sarah the very same promise. Not a different promise, but a restatement of this promise that through you and through your seed, and that was a word that he'd used to Eve, through your seed, through your offspring, through you, Abraham and Sarah, through you and through your offspring, I am going to bless 
all nations. It says in Genesis 12, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And all peoples on an earth will be blessed through you. All peoples, all nations, all tribes, all clans, all peoples are going to be blessed through you. And guess what? They failed. They didn't fulfill the promise. Even through great generations and patriarchies going down and and Jacob and Israel and all the tribes, the 12 tribes being formed, even through the tragedy of all that happened into Egypt and the great triumph through Joseph, but then the great tragedy of slavery, we then get the great exodus, this amazing coming out of the people of God under Moses, wonderfully delivered from the oppression of the Pharaoh, the serpent, the Satan, the one who was oppressing them, wonderfully prefiguring Christ, actually, as they go through waters of baptism and they come out into a promised land and yet fail again. And then they enter under Joshua and yet they fail again. And God has said to them, if you obey me, I'll make you a light to the nations. I'll I'll, I'll make you fruitful, not for yourself, but for the sake of the nations. It wasn't about the Middle East. It wasn't about the promised land. It wasn't about a few thousand acres in that place. It was about a footprint that might one day fill all the earth. But they failed. They failed at the first step. They failed at the first footprint. He said, don't intermarry. What did they do? They intermarried. Now, why is that? Does God not like mixed race or does God kind of have a problem? No, it was about taking on the cultures and the ways and the gods and the idols and the child sacrifices and, and all the, 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 the slavery and all the prostitution that would have gone with that idol worship. And he said, no, you've got to be different, a light to the nations. But they didn't. They just became the same. And so the light went dim. But God is faithful to his promise. And he starts with another couple. This time they're not even married. And Mary is promised that through her, the seed will come. And God restates. He's faithful. I want you to know this, that if you feel, I've had promises from God, but I failed. I want you to take the big picture of God's story and just apply it to your own life right now. God is faithful even if you are faithless, even if you fail. And Israel, Adam and Eve failed. Israel failed. But God is faithful and he restarts. He he kickstarts it again. And it's not a new promise. It's not a new deal. It's actually the same promise. It's actually the promise again that the seed of the woman would come and that he would come and fulfill all that was promised to Adam and Eve and all that was promised to Abraham. This is what Paul later writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. These promises made to Abraham and his seed, Scripture doesn't say seeds, plural, meaning many people, but seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Jesus came 
as the fulfillment. God stepped down and took on human flesh, became beautiful humanity, and he came to fulfill everything that Adam failed. He came to fulfill everything that was promised to Abraham, but Israel never completed. He came to fulfill the promises of God in the flesh. He came to do that. Now, how is he going to do that? He's going to do it by establishing his rule, his authority, his kingdom. And he's going to do it by working in a community, working with a people, and through that people, fulfilling the promises of God. You see, Jesus prophesies many times about his kingdom. In fact, we've kind of entitled this weekend, God's kingdom in life. We've asked David to speak on Monday about the kingdom of God. Jared last night speaking about the kingdom. Lou tomorrow is going to speak about the kingdom in life. And it's important in this day when we've seen such restoration of the church. Jesus spoke twice about the church. He spoke 82 times about the kingdom. Now it's just important that we get those things in their right proportion. And we feel the weight of the kingdom, the rule, the reign, the glory of God that is going to start in small places and is going to fill all the earth with the glory of the Lord. See, Jesus says this in Luke 13, verse 29. And it's so significant how he uses the points of the compass. It's significant because of the great territories and the empires of his day. He says this, People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south, and they will take their places in the feast of the kingdom of God. What he's saying is this, I'm establishing a community here. I'm establishing a footprint again. And from this footprint, north, south, east, west, all points of the compass, all four corners of planet Earth will again be filled with the glory of God. You see, in Jesus' day, north was the great kingdom of Assyria. South was the great kingdom of Egypt. East was the great kingdom of Babylon. And west, well, that was the mighty Roman Empire. And Jesus is declaring war on those kingdoms. He's saying, my kingdom is coming. And my kingdom is going to overthrow. It's going to invade. It's going to subvert. It's going to come in. And it's going to fulfill that which I promised to Abraham, that which I promised to Adam. All the earth being filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, Jesus does it by fulfilling. It's so important we understand this, friends. There's people who don't get this. He fulfilled the promise to Abraham. See, some people think he replaced the promise to Abraham, and you get replacement theology. Oh, the church, the new community that Jesus established replaces Israel. And therefore, there's confusion about where the kingdom is and where the, who the people of God are and where, what God's going to do with the physical Israel and the new Israel and where that all fits in. Listen, it's not replacement theology, it's fulfillment theology. Jesus came to fulfill all the promises that were spoken to Abraham. Galatians 3 verse 29, if you belong to Christ, if you're a Christian, Paul's language there, if you belong to Christ, then you, this is written to Gentiles, Galatians. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and are heirs according to the promise. See, that's why Jesus had 12 apostles. People say, oh, it was a nice, I've actually heard this said at a conference. 
it was a nice number for a small group. Say, no, it wasn't. It was fulfilling the promise to Israel and his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And they would have understood that no one in their day would have gone, oh, 12, that's a nice number. They'd they'd have kind of gone, oh, 12, that's interesting. Mm. You're saying something here, Jesus, 12. And when he sends them out, it's interesting because there's a slight disagreement about the text. But primarily, if you look at it, he sends out 70. Why does he send out 70? Well, I know why he sends out 70, two by two, because he sends them out to the four corners of the earth, to the 70 nations of the earth. And anyone living in Israel would have understood, oh, that's why you're sending 70 out. We get it. We get numerology. We kind of understand that. We understand the 12. It's the fulfillment of Israel. You're the, you're, the, you're the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise. We understand the 70. You're fulfilling God's promise to fill all the earth with the glory of God. And you see, Jesus, when he commissions this new group, this new family, this new community, when he commissions them, he commissions them with the same mandate that was to Adam and Eve and to Abraham and Sarah. Matthew 28. We know these verses. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, Jesus says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You notice the link there with what's just about to happen in Acts chapter 2. People get confused. Charismatics get confused about Acts chapter 2, what it's all about. The Spirit has not come just so that I have nice warm feelings. Now, I do get very nice warm. I had a nice warm feeling earlier as you led worship. And it was lovely. Nice and warm. Lovely. It was nice. It was, honestly. And that's better than nasty cold feelings. I've been in some of those meetings. (laughs) And, you know, you'd hear some charismatics talk and you'd think Jesus sent the Spirit that we'd have good meetings and that we'd have tongues and prophecy. That's good. I love tongues. I love it when Roger Bai goes, whatever. (laughs) And David puts it into modern English for us. I love that stuff. I love prophesy. I love it when we prophesy on our instruments. I love our meeting. I want to be more charismatic. More. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit was not for good meetings, for heaven's sake. It was to fill and to propel the church with the power of the Spirit to go to all nations. That's the purpose of the coming of the Spirit. Now we get lots of nice feelings and we get lots of great meetings. Hallelujah. But the purpose is that we might go and be propelled to the nations of the earth. Jesus never imagined the church on mission without the sending power of the Holy Spirit. And the coming of the Spirit transformed these weak, feeble, nervous, frightened disciples. Peter, who just a few pages before said to little servant girls, she says, you're with him. You've got a northern accent. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Now I haven't got a a northern accent at all. You're quite mistaken, young lady. He denies. 
just a few pages later, that same one stands up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And preaches a powerful gospel, a powerful talk about Jesus and his sacrifice and his cross. And we get this great, amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've just said to David earlier, I've just reread his great book on fathering and apostolic ministry, uh, just preparing for some of this stuff. And let me give you a a Devonish quote. I won't give you in Devonese, but uh, I'm sure that's a language. Um, No, I won't. (laughs) If if he wasn't here, I might have been tempted. (laughs) I didn't know he was going to be here when I was preparing this. Listen, the term apostolic is in danger of simply becoming another word for overseeing local churches. You must say I'm into this, David, you wrote it. Oversight of churches isn't the prime purpose of apostolic ministry. Apostolic ministry is for the sake of the nations. It's for the sake of world mission. And it's for the sake of planting many more churches. That's the purpose of the Spirit coming on us. Now... I just find it fascinating. This is like a little tea bar, a little tea, tea, you know, little sidebar, a little, uh, you know, one of those kind of timeout side thing. I just find it fascinating what actually happens when the Spirit comes on the disciples and they start with tongues of fire and then tongues of men. It's the great reversal of Babel. Because in Babel, they were all confused and couldn't understand. At Pentecost, they all understand in their own language. Now, let me just say this. I love tongues. I love that Paul later writes, it's the tongues of men and of angels. And that gets Roger by out of an awful lot of trouble. But I think we've got to believe God for the tongues of men. I think we've actually got to believe this stuff. Let, Let me give you examples from in this meeting, from in amongst these people, not People you don't know. People in my home church of Teesside that Anne and I planted, Jubilee. Anyone from Jubilee? You'll have heard, you'll have heard this story umpteen times, but not everybody has. A few years ago, a dear friend of ours whose whole family got saved on Alpha. I can remember the day that the Catterall family, a whole lot of them, Paul and Jill and their girls, got absolutely flattened by the Spirit of God on Alpha, started to prophesy and started to speak in other tongues. And God put in Paul a heart for the nations. And uh, through people like Paul and Jill, we started a ministry called Open Door, working with asylum seeker refugees. It's fascinating to me that now one of the elders of the church in Teesside, uh, Sarush, is a asylum seeker refugee who's now got status to stay and he's come right through not just a salvation and discipleship but eldership and leadership in the local church wonderful to see that happening but I remember the day I was I can remember where I was when Paul would regularly bring a tongue I, I was joking with somebody today about this they said you've just got to be quick in Teesside you've got to be quick in with a tongue before Paul Catterall and Paul I can remember brought this tongue once and you know he went off on it and it all sounded good as they all do and uh, Then afterwards, there was a commotion going on. We had about 100 asylum seeker refugees, and there was a whole group of them from Eritrea, North Africa. And the people in Eritrea have two languages that they speak. One is Tigrinian, and the other is Amharic, and both of them come from an ancient root language, ancient Gies, which is a little bit like 
our European languages coming from Latin, you might say. And just as Latin is probably used more for religious services, actually ancient Guise is used in religious services. And Paul got up and spoke a lament in ancient Guise. And I tell you, the work of God that that did amongst those asylum seekers, boy, did it get their attention. Boy, did it do something for them. I can tell you about another meeting that happened in Canada. This was a year or two ago in Toronto where we're spending some time in Canada and we brought some people up from Peru, Spanish speakers, and we were kind of integrating this, these churches from Peru. They didn't speak hardly any English, but we were integrating them into our churches in Toronto in Canada. And one of our friends, a guy called Mark, Sopic got up and he just spoke a tongue and beautiful, somebody else brought an interpretation and later these guys from Peru, from Lima said, could you introduce us to the Spanish pastor? We said, we haven't got a Spanish pastor. Well, the person who speaks Spanish, we have no idea who's, yes you do, that guy prayed out in fluent, perfect Spanish. Mark has never learned a word of Spanish in his life, but God used it to stir those churches to work with us. And just this last year, I could tell you, I could go on for many of these, but just this last year, just I think we, we were with you, Reese, in Vancouver, Great Trinity uh, Central, and it was one, it was Gracie, uh, Gracie Coggan, and uh, she just, she, she started, she brought a tongue in the meeting, and she started off very quietly. And I'm not going to say the tongue, because this wasn't the words, but it was like, and you think, great. You know, and then whatever. And then we have somebody come to the end and they say, do you know this? We are from New Zealand and we study and know the Aboriginal language of Maori. And what that lady brought was an authentic Maori welcome to the meeting. And we knew it was authentic, not just because she used the right words, but because she did what they always do in Maori. They go like this. When they're welcoming somebody of great importance in their meeting, they go, we welcome you here. We welcome you here. We welcome you here. We welcome you here. And that's what Gracie had done. What that did amongst us, what that did, it stirs hearts. Now, I don't know that every time that happens, we should look for it, but I'm believing for a lot more of it. I'm believing that nations are going to open up. Now, I think we should study languages, we should learn them, but also there are gifts of God that come to us. That was a tea bar. You can have that one for free. I read this week, Ed Stetzer, the missiologist from the States, he said this, the church needs a lot more speaking in tongues. Yeah. I read it this week. The tongues of every people group in the world. This was God's design all along. This is a step towards the throne in Revelation. We'll come to that in a moment. We must prioritize missions of people to all different languages so they can indeed all encircle the throne. Dear friend, that's why we plant churches. That's what we're doing. We plant churches. We plant churches as communities of the Spirit who embody the very characteristics, they incarnate the very fruit of who Jesus is, the love, the grace, the mercy, the kindness. They are filled with the power of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the gifts of Jesus, of healing and prophecy and deliverance and words and works and wonders. 
so that they might shine out the glory of Jesus in every community. That's why we're passionate about church planting, because we want to see in every setting, in every city, in every district, in every village, in every town, that God gives us grace to enter church communities, and so through local communities of the Spirit, playing their part, lighting their fire, being a light to the nations in the darkness, so all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's why we do it, folks. And through this, Augustine's China doll is miraculously being reassembled. Only God can do that. I mean, Humpty Dumpty, you can't put him back together again. He's smashed. But one new man in Christ, black and white, rich and poor, young and old, experienced, inexperienced, the nations of the world coming together in the local church, shining as a beautiful example of the love and grace and mercy of God. That's what God's called us to do, folks. That's why we're giving tonight. That's what we're giving our lives for. Now, that's what we do, but let me just end with why we do it. Simon Sinek wrote a great book, Ask the Why Question. Why? Why are we doing this? You might say, well, we'd like to have, we've got 275 churches. We'd love to have 500 churches. Well, that's why we do it. Oh, we're, we're in 25 nations. Oh, 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 we'd love to be in 50 nations. That's why, that's why we do it. Listen, dear friends, I want to say this very clearly. What we are doing is not because of numbers. It's not so that we can tick off new nations. It's not for new church plants that we can somehow fill our brochure or fill our website or fill our stages with how amazing we've done, how good we've done. But it is so that glory and praise and honor might go to Jesus. It's so that all the earth might be filled with his praise and to his glory. And we get this amazing glimpse, this incredible glimpse, this, the curtain of revelation just flips open slightly and we get this incredible view into the end. And we see, as Stetzer says, encircling the throne with your blood, you've purchased men for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And I looked and before me there was a great multitude. No one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language and standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Dear friends, that's our motivation. That's why we do this. That's why we give our lives. That's why we give our finance. That's why we send John and Kate. That's why we bless Tim and Becky. That's why we're doing these things. As John Piper so brilliantly said, mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission, listen, mission exists only because worship doesn't. The aim is worship to Jesus. The aim is glory to Jesus. The aim is that more praise, more worship, more glory might be brought to him. The aim is Christ central. Not Christ central, but Christ being center of it all and seen as the Lord of all. Dear friends, that should motivate us. It should motivate us to give our finances, yes. But it should motivate us to give our lives, just like John said. Join the adventure. 
giving our life to this so that more praise, more worship, more glory might go to Jesus. Now, let me bring this in for an application and we're going to respond. It's for all of us to reach every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. Every one of us and our children and our families is to be involved in this. Everyone, because all of us will be praying for those who go. All of us will be prophesying over them. All of us will be giving. That's fascinating. If you look at giving, in the Bible, you can count 16 named givers of Paul, to Paul's team. People who gave in various ways and support. 16 named people. And I think all of us are going to give. All of us get the wonderful pleasure and privilege of giving in. But there are some, like the 16, who are just called specially to give to apostolic mission. There are some of you here. And actually, if you gave the full gift or the full proportion of your income that you feel God has called you to give, it would kind of sink your local church. It's almost too much for a local church to handle. But for a mission to reach the world, there are some called to give. Now, we're all called to give to our local churches, proportionate. But some are called to give disproportionate. And I want to kind of call that out of some people tonight. That even as we take the offering, there's some who go, I'm going to go way, way. You've just given us a vision that's worth giving to. It's a famous thing that I think... uh, I think it was Joseph was telling us in Africa, it was certainly mentioned in Africa, of Reinhard Bonnke. And you're not allowed to say, you're allowed to say Reinhard Bonnke. He preaches uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, they all speak like that in Africa, don't they, Joseph? Uh, <laughs> <coughs> and Reinhardt once went to a Scottish church and he made an appeal for the mission to nations, for all nations, for Africa. And there was a man in the church who gave a million pounds to it. And the pastor was furious. He said to this guy, I've given appeals. You've never given anything like that. And the guy said, when you start to give an appeal that's worthy of me giving my life to, I'll give big money to it. And Reinhardt gave an appeal that was worth giving your life to. And when you, as Billy Graham said, when you give your life, you get your pocket as well. Dear friends, there's some of us who are going to give to this. Some of us are going to travel. Interestingly enough, you can count 16 givers. You can count 19 people who traveled off and on with Paul. And I think these days, it was interesting. That's why we just said to John a couple of years ago, hey, John, it's great what you're doing, Carrigate. Come and see another kind of Harrogate. Come and see another kind of version of what you're building. Come to Canada with us and just have a look and kind of ruin John. Now, kind of made him as well. Some of you need to travel with us. Some of you need to come on trips and see the nation. Some of you need to go to Zambia and go to Mexico and go and see what's happening. It will inspire you. It will stir you. It will stop you moaning about your little issues. You'll suddenly see big picture, big needs, and you'll give life to things. You need to come on these things with us. Now, there's also the grace of staying, isn't there? Staying. Some are going to go and some are going to stay. But listen, we all get to go on mission. The ends of the earth these days are the ends of your street. 
and like I said earlier, the end of your comfort zone. When we were in Teesside in one meeting, we were quite small, but in one meeting, we said, who here wasn't born in the United Kingdom? We counted 27 different nations in that local church. 27. Do you know where the, the cities of the world that speak the most languages, that have the, the most number of recorded languages, and they know this because of censors, the most, most number of languages spoken, the top, um, not surprisingly, actually, is New York. Followed closely, actually surprisingly, by Paris. Followed thirdly, amazingly surprisingly, with 200 recorded languages, Manchester. It's kind of on our doorstep. It's on our doorstep, but it's on our doorstep. Dear friends, in at York is the most visited city, second most visited city in the United Kingdom. See, it's on our doorstep. The nations are on our doorstep. And anyway, it's not about just the ethnic nations. It's about the rich and the poor. They're nations. They're tribes. It's about the educated and the non-educated. And that's not saying one is better than the other. Like Nicky Gumbel said from this very screen last year to us specifically with his recorded message to Devoted, if you remember. We need Paul apostles who are educated to the highest degree and we need Peter apostles. I'm a Peter apostle, I know I am. I've got a degree to my name. Haven't, not educated. It's all right, I'm Peter. But we need Pauls as well. But it's to the educated and to the non-educated. It's to the young and the old. It's to the men and the women. It's to the professional and the unemployed. It's to the able and to the disabled. It's to the different cultures that we get that only you can reach with your music, with your sport interest, with your fashion interest. It's with your ethnicity that you can get into something that somebody else can't. It's to black, white, Jew, Gentile, Asian, and Caucasian. It's to all peoples and all people groups. Now, just out of interest, if you weren't born in the United Kingdom or don't trace your heritage back to Britain, as in, you know, I'm, I just don't feel British. I'm, I'm not British. I've got another ethnicity. You might not literally have the passport, but you know because of grandparents or parents. You kind of feel... We, we took somebody to Zambia with us, to Ghana with us, a lady from Hastings who has a teenage or young son who is fathered by a, 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 a person from Ghana. She's a single parent. He'd never, ever met another Ghanaian properly, or certainly never been to Ghana to meet Ghana. But at the moment he stepped on Ghanaian soil, something happened in this young boy. He, he tapped into his... Something in his DNA, something in his brain. He, he suddenly danced like a Ghanaian. I mean, you can't do that. How do you do that? He just did. You see, in his, so, and the, who here? Just, just wave at me. If that's, in fact, why don't you stand? Stand up if you're from different nations. If you would say, I'm, I'm, I'm not ethnic UK. Look, it's starting, friends, to happen already among us. It's already happening among us. The nations are among us. You are welcome. We want you to feel welcome. We want you to partner with us in reaching your people groups. And we want to go with you to the nations. This is about togetherness. 
I said last night, I think it was, or this morning, as Lee found out to his cost this morning, they all merge into one. The African proverb that we saw when we first landed in Africa, it said this, if you want to go alone, sorry, if, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go further, go together. That's why we're partnering with other apostles. That's why we're partnering together. That's why God has called us to be an apostolic family of churches on mission together. All of us get to play here. All of us get to be involved. Now, even as the band come up to join me, cue, wake up, Lou. We'll get our own back tomorrow. I want, to, I want us to respond. There's, I want to call out of us tonight callings, apostolic callings for the nation. For this nation, for different tribes, for different towns, for different villages, for different ethnic groups, for different cultures. I want to call it out for you. For some of you will go literally to the nations. And some of you, even as the guys are just going to start playing, and we want to prophesy over you. And as we prophesy over you, I believe many of you are just going to get a fresh call from God to the nations. And you think the nations is for some elite group, some apostolic weirdos, some strange people. This is for all God's people to fill all the earth with his glory for all of us to take part in this. And I just want to speak over you. There's, there's, there are nations of Africa. Even as I was, even in the worship, I said I had a good feeling in worship. And Joseph and Lily, I saw uh, trade routes opening up right across Africa. I saw even ancient trade routes that predate empires and predate colonialism. I see ancient paths of trade routes opening up across the continent of Africa for you. And I see you going to nation after nation after nation. And I also see trade routes that were once used for slavery and were once used for colonization and were once used for evil empire practices that we don't own, that we are ashamed of and we do repent from. But God, even so, opening up those trade routes, opening up those routes that were once used for bondage, actually being used for freedom. And God doing that. And I see many of you getting involved with the Af- with Africa. I see things happening in the Middle East. I see, I don't know if Tim and Becky are in, even in this meeting, but the nation that they came from, that they spoke about the other day, I see even from there, like, tr- like flight paths, like you see when you go to Dubai, you open up the magnet, you see these flight paths going everywhere. And the nation they're from isn't quite as uh, worked out as that. But I see from their nation and from the Middle East, these flight paths going right the way across into Muslim nations, across into Pakistan, across into uh, parts of India, across down into bits of the Middle East, across down into even what would be called the Holy Land, even what would be called that part of the world. And I see these tra- these, these routes, these aeroplane lines being opened up. I see in our own nation the importance of London. 
And I've prophesied publicly before, even this summer, into Life Spring and Horsham. But just in the prayer meeting today, Anne had this word about new springs springing up in cities just like you get in some modern cities where you get these children's playthings where a spring of water springs up and you're dodging it and the kids loving it and somebody in the prayer meeting said look I've got that on my phone and it's at the shard in London and suddenly God was speaking to us about planting right there in the shard right there in the shadow of the shard right there in the capital right there in the London Bridge area, right there in that market area, right there. God's going to raise up. And it's not just the Lifespring guys from Horsham who are going to do this because it's a vision too big for them. It's something we need to partner with them. We need to retake the capital, guys. We need to get into London. It's, we've, we've, been, we've been northern far too long. We've been the little northern group far too long, and it's time to invade. It's time to get into Oxford and Cambridge and Hastings and Eastbourne and Brighton, hallelujah, and some of these other places. It's actually all the apostolic teams in the United Kingdom need to rise up and come everywhere. I've said to the others, come to Manchester. I've said, come to Sheffield. I've said, come to Leeds. Come. We need you. We can't do it all, but neither can you do it all down there. We need to partner together. God's calling some of you to church plant. Now there are towns and cities on the M62 corridor. There's, the, there's, there's Bingley, there's R- Rotherham, there's Rochdale, there's Oldham. There's these towns which aren't so sexy, aren't, don't look good in brochures, but God loves those people. And he's calling you, and he's calling you, and he's calling you to Shipley, and he's calling you to reach out, and he's calling you to go. And God is calling us as a missional people. I'm going to step out on a limb. Andy prophesied over me that I should go for the last 10%. And I know what I'm saying here, so I've got to be careful. The problem is you prophesy out of knowledge, but I'm going to go for it anyway. As John and Kate were on the stage talking about North Vancouver. And I know Reese and Sarah, they're our dear friends, are in Vancouver, the other side of the water. And it kind of seems a bit strange. And I saw these repelling magnets. You know, as a kid, you kind of got these repelling magnets. Do you ever try to push them together? I remember in science, it's like, you almost, and, and I feel there's a repulsion, not a revulsion, but a repulsion that's going on in the spirit and I just saw and I don't know what the application for this but as I was worshipping God I literally just saw that it flip one of them flipped and instead of a repulsion there was a coming together there was something happened in the spirit there was a working together that had a seismic shift it was like something happened in the spirit and I saw the fault line suddenly open up down the down that coast of America down that American coast and it's like this earthquake happening like this actually some, something happening as, as, as Reese and his guys and John and his guys somehow partner together. And not a revulsion, but a propulsion. Something happening in the spirit. I don't know what the application of that is, but I know God spoke to me about it. And I'd be remiss, John, if I didn't say that. And Reese, if I didn't say that. I guess I'm going to be responsible for working that out with you guys. There's other words that are going to come. Dave, I think you said you felt God gave you something. I think now 
is the time to just bring what you feel God said. And we're going to, we're, in a moment, we're going to respond. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to call people forward. In a moment, if you feel God is speaking to you about getting involved in this apostolic mission, whether it's staying and praying, whether it's giving, whether it's coming on a trip, whether it's going to the ends of the earth or the ends of your street. We want to pray and prophesy over you tonight. We want to commission you tonight. We're going to sing a great song in a moment. Would you, should we sing the song, Dave? Do the prophecy first. This team. So good to have this guy with us on team. So good to be in fellowship together. So good to be partnering apostles and prophets together. It's good partnership, friends. What Jeremy has shared tonight is rooted in prophetic scripture. And if you have any kind of prophetic gift, it's essential that you root your gift in what the prophets of the Bible say and not get into areas of language and speculation that are not in the Word of God. And one of those prophets is Ezekiel. And he prophesied the kind of things that Jeremy has been talking about tonight. And in Ezekiel chapter 33, which is just before some major prophecies about the kind of thing that Jeremy's talking about, there was a revival in a boneyard, there was the building of a temple, there was a river that was running into the nations. Just before he prophesies that, there is this very strange scripture. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a, a, a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. And God really spoke to me through that passage about us as a movement, as a people. There is a prophetic watchman. There is a trumpeter. And there is a people who are called to respond and the warning is not to respond negatively I'm going to use that as a basis to prophesy I want you to know says the Lord that at the throne of the kingdom there is a God who holds the panorama mm. of history mm. and in that great revelation where heaven was gathered and the question was, who was worthy mm. to open the book? Who was worthy to undo the seals? There was only one who was worthy. And as the book was open, a panorama of history unfolded and showed that at the throne of the kingdom, there is a God who is sovereign, there is a God who reigns, that there is a God who is not phased by nations rising against nation. 
a God who is not phased by terrible tsunamis and earthquakes and wars and political infighting. There is a God who from the beginning has had a plan that his glory would flood the earth, that there would be a people who would bring him his kingdom, his righteousness, his rule, his justice, his holiness, and right across every nation, right across every ethnic group, there would be praise that ascend. And so there is the command, sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. And this will happen because God has declared it. The one who is worthy to open the scrolls of the book is the one who triumphed Mm. as the Lamb of God, Mm. going to the cross, suffering in agony, Mm. in order that he would see the travail of his own soul and be satisfied. But now the Father says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance because I have set my holy king on Zion and I want to speak into the Middle East I want to say that what is happening there at this moment is that there is an underground river that is growing in intensity and while it is hidden there will be little springs coming forth there will be meetings with one here Mm. and one there where seeds will be sown. I want to speak into those central nations of Africa. And I want to say where there has been bloodshed and where there has been political unrest and where there has been fear of revolution, I am saying that there is coming now a shift in the heavenlies that I am going to bring about a modeling of kingdom life that will begin to infiltrate into the political life, into what the way things are governed, into the way people are educated. And there is going to be through the building of strong churches and the raising up of apostolic leaders, a wave of revival that will begin to affect and change from the bloodshed and the pain and the revolution. A new dawn, a new era, a new age of righteousness and holiness. And where seeds were planted in other centuries by missionaries and where the enemy has hijacked the gospel, there is coming now a time of radical change. And as I raise up these apostolic teams, there is going to be a new wave of revival, just as there has been in nations like Uganda and the Congo, in other eras and other places. This is going to be your day. And I want to speak to Europe and say that in the fragmentation and the breaking of treaties and the breaking apart
heart of promises and the fear of economic disaster and economic crisis, I want to say to you that there is an element of my judgment in this because there has been a turning away from my laws, from my holiness. But I say the answer to this is in Scandinavia, in France, in Spain, in Switzerland, in Holland, right through the European nations, in Italy. I am going to raise up a yes. new apostolic yes. voice. Yes. There will be a move of God in Germany. Yes. I say to you, you are to be prepared for this. You are to be prepared for a mighty move of my spirit. And in your own nation, I want you to be prepared for one of my suddenlies. The time has shifted. You are coming now to a prophetic pivotal point, to a tipping point. And I am saying enough is enough. I am saying now is the time yes. for the prophets yes. to become the watchmen, but to be rooted in scripture and not get speculated, speculative not use strange concepts, not use strange language, but see that the prophetic is there alongside the apostolic yes. to bring about this sharp sword, the church, which is to be the instrument of the kingdom. For I am going to build strong churches that proclaim the kingdom and see in education, the arts, in politics, in the world of trade and commerce and industry, there is going to be an infiltration of kingdom life, yes. which will begin to dynamically change the whole feel and ethos of this nation. My people, it is time yes. to blow the trumpet, yes. to hear the trumpet, to listen to the trumpet call and respond and say, I will build, I will submit, I will live in the light of the kingdom. I will take hold of what it means to be in my church and I will be ready to go. I will be ready to give. I will be ready to speak. I will be ready to live out kingdom life so that your name will be glorified. I speak to you, my people. It is time now. Hear the trumpet call, respond in your heart, and go to the nations. Others of us are going to prophesy in a moment, but if you feel a resonance with this, if you feel God is speaking, then I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come to the front. I want you to say, I'm in. Take my life. Take me. I'm in all with this. I want to go, whether it's going and staying or whether it's going and going, I'm in. You can have my life, Lord. You can have my finances. You can have my family. You can have me. I'm in. Lord, I want to get involved in this. We're going to worship, and then others are going to prophesy. We're going to see a mighty move of God who's going to touch 
God's going to speak nations. He's going to speak towns. He's going to speak villages. He's going to give new tongues tonight. Even as some of you are asking for that, he's going to give it to you tonight. So come, Holy Spirit. keep playing and jokes of you man you keep going with that rhythm it's amazing just something on the drums right now I just feel that as Dave's prophesied about prophets we should just release apostolic authority and voice over us I wonder um, Joseph uh, and Lee if you could join me and David David Devonish if you could just join me uh, just being representative of not just our family as Christ Central, but the family of New Frontiers, the wider family that we represent, that Dave has so well led these last seven or eight years and brought really the fruit of us working together and has facilitated that and helped that. And guys, I would just, you probably need a microphone, but I, probably, I would love you just to apostolically pray and even prophesy over this group tonight. So, Lord, we ask you, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, the one who came on that early church, who caused timid Peter to become bold Peter, who turned those disciples into a group that turned the world upside down. Turn us upside down, Lord. Turn us inside out. Come, Spirit of God, propel us to the next nation, the next village, the next town, the next people group, the next house, the next neighbor, the next work desk, the next school friend, the next university friend, the next person we meet in the supermarket. Propel us, Lord, into the world to make disciples, to testify about Jesus. Start, Lord, just speaking now. Speak towns, speak nations, speak cities, speak areas, speak people groups, speak football clubs, speak music, speak ethnicity, speak careers, speak areas of influence, speak local government, speak art, speak culture, speak politics, speak architecture, speak restoration, speak, speak, speak. You're opening voices, you're opening our ears to hear your voice. Come, Holy Spirit. I feel that Holy Spirit's just moving so powerfully among us right now. And I, as Jeremy just prayed then, this wasn't what I'd originally felt I should bring, but when Jeremy just prayed then, about those various sectors of society, of ethnicity, of different uh, social economic groups and so on. I feel God wants to stress to us that his kingdom is going to affect every one of those. Yes, yes. And each one of you, where you are, mm. where, where God is placing you and all God will move you to, mm. God is saying to you, you are just like he called Adam and Eve at the beginning. You are the expression mm. of the kingdom of God yes, into yes. that place. And he wants, therefore, for faith mm. to arise in your hearts. Mm. Whether you're one of those that's responded uh, because of the sense of mission upon your heart 
or whether it's some uh, others of you who haven't particularly felt it was that, but you're, you're excited in your spirit, and God would say to you, just where you are and where you will go, you are the representative mm. of the reign of Christ. Mm. You are God's vice regents mm. on earth. You are those who are bringing mm. his kingdom into that yes. situation, and you're to do it not as in a sort of stoic way of saying, well, I've just got to gr uh, grit uh, my teeth and keep going. You're going to say, I'm moving in faith. And I'm moving in faith that it's going to be trans where I am is going to be transformed for the kingdom of God. Mm. And I just felt the Spirit of God on uh, Jeremy just then as he was bringing those things to you. And therefore, I feel that's a word for everybody in this room and others back into your churches that you need to take back. That, you're, that you are bringing the kingdom of God into the situation where you are. Excellent. But I, feel, yeah. I felt too, and uh, these are one or two different things, but uh, again, when Jeremy was preaching and he used several illustrations from the refugee community, whether it's hearing and understanding a tongue, whether it's uh, uh, moving from re uh, refugee status into eldership, and I just feel that God wants to speak to us about that. I feel yes. God would commend churches here that are particularly worked amongst asylum seekers and refugees. Mm. I, feel God, I feel God wants to just say to you, his, his, his approval is upon you. Mm. He's saying, well done yes. already. Yes. Okay. But I feel also that God wants us, and this is in line with what Dave brought, I just feel that uh, I believe God would say to us that uh, he wants us to look out as we see people now because of the terrible conflicts in the Middle East and Africa and elsewhere and see many movements of people. God would say to us, watch out for what I'm doing amongst those communities. It is, yeah, it may be not obvious yet. It may be just like the little uh, spring that's coming up. But God is saying to you, some of these people that get on flimsy boats to cross seas are actually apostles and prophets yes, of the future. Yes. They're people that are going to take the mission of God into places where you couldn't take it. So be generous in your heart. Look to them. Look to care for them. Overthrow the prejudices that many governments are now showing towards them. Because God is speaking to us. He's going to say, he's saying to us that from the unexpected will come massive moves of God that transform the world. Remember, remember people of God, we follow and serve the greatest refugee in history. Yes, the right. one who had to flee into Egypt because of, because of persecution and the killing of little children like he's going on in parts of the world today. And he had to flee there, and then he came back because he had the prophecy, the prophecy had to be fulfilled out of Egypt, have I called my son. And God would say to us, he, the unexpected, and it's not just the refugee community, though that's important. He's going to raise up from what would outwardly be the unexpected. And God would say to you, Yes, Jeremy said, you must have, must have a vision that's beyond the north. And I totally endorse that. But God would say to you that where others have been perhaps planting churches in where it's more of a Bible belt in the south, and some of you are struggling to plant churches in places where there aren't many believers, God would say to you, 
It's from yeah. the unexpected. Yes. yes. That future yes. Uh, men and women of God yes. will rise up who will be able to transform society. Yes. Very good. He wants you to understand that. Mm. He wants you, therefore, to go in faith. And even if it takes a long time, God would say to you, I am going to choose the unexpected. Isaiah, the prophet, Dave said quite rightly, those who prophesy should prophesy out of Scripture. But um, the prophet Isaiah... said, said this. He said... That, and this was at the time when the two forces opposing Israel were Egypt, Egypt and Assyria. And he said, in that day, Egypt and Assyria will be connected by a highway. The Egyptians and Syrians will move freely between their lands and both will worship God. In that day, Israel will be a third along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. For the Lord of heaven's armies will say, blessed be Egypt, my people. Blessed be Assyria, the land I have made. Blessed be Israel, my special possession. That would have come a complete shock to the Israelites. That actually those who were their enemies, God would say, they're going to be just as blessed as you are. And not only will they be blessed, but they will be a blessing to the earth. And God would say to us, look for that amongst the unexpected, amongst the rejected, amongst those you would look upon as enemies. God would say to you, expect mighty, mighty things to arise from those people and expect it from those who you would say is currently unfruitful ground like Assyria and Egypt were there. Many of you are working in seemingly unfruitful ground and God would say, raise your faith yes. because from that unfruitful ground will become something that will be a mighty river in the earth that will transform society and that will, be, will provide great mission for the future. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. That was part of the bow prophecy. It wasn't just that it's to go to the nations. It was that God would yes. gather resources yes. to go to the nations. God would gather many, many people as the bow was extended in order to serve the purposes of God in this generation. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now. Just carry on singing, Lula. So go on. There is a river. Oh. Ooh, Spirit of God's here. From the it's flowing. It's flowing in this place. From head to toe. Overwhelm you with power. Oh, yes, it's coming. It's the river of God's mission to the earth. Nobody can resist this wet river. Yeah, be filled completely. Oh, there is a river. 
get involved in it. from the opening of your word by Jeremy this evening. I pray, Lord, hundredfold fruit. I'm not asking for 30. I'm not asking for 60. I'm asking for a hundredfold fruit amongst these dear people of a mighty, mighty move of God which reproduces itself, which reproduces itself in miraculous, powerful ways right across the earth. Father, I pray. I pray for each one that's been stirred by it. Lord, I pray it may not be a temporary stirring, but a fixed purpose of heart to follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Lord, I pray. I pray it for each one here who's responded in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, thank you, Father. I want to do something that seems a little bit different, but I think it's really will speak to not only the ones that have come forward, but all of us that are here. So what I'm going to do, just briefly, is speak in Spanish. I'm going to pray out in Spanish to actually model a little bit, just to get ourselves thinking about nations, language, and we heard about what Jeremy said, and then I just want to, and then in English I will say something about that. But as I pray in Spanish... I believe there's many people here that already speak a different language. Mm. There's people that have studied languages. There's people that come from different nations mm. that could be bilingual, trilingual. And it's actually by praying in a different language right now, it's assigned to you. Mm. It will be assigned to you or yes. what God is calling yes. you to uh, based on the language that you might have studied or planning to study or mm. might be your native tongue. Padre, en nombre de, de Jesucristo, te pido, Padre, en tu nombre que tú seas engrandecido, que tú bendigas a tu pueblo, que tú extiendas tu favor y tu mano para tocar y ministrar y llenar cada persona que esté aquí en este lugar. Invades este lugar, Padre, con tu presencia, con tu santo espíritu, que derrames unción fresca, que tu río corra, Señor, con agua viva hacia los confines de la tierra, 
Utilizando a esas personas para poder lograr lo que son tus propósitos eternos Que sea para tu honra, que sea para tu gloria, para que sea la extensión de tu reino En cada pueblo, cada tribu, cada nación, en cada lengua Padre Que así sea derrama Señor sobre hey. cada persona ¿Quién eres tú Señor en este lugar que tus, tu río fluye Señor aquí que hay otras naciones que, que sean tocadas a través de todos nosotros que estemos aquí reunidos en esta noche Padre que, que se haga tu voluntad aquí en la tierra como en el cielo Señor que venga tu reino en poder que extiendes tu mano para hacer señales y prodigios Señor en poder Señor confirmando la predicación de tu palabra que hay de nuevo que hay confianza que la gente esté levantando su voz donde no hay voz donde no hay ministerio Padre que así sea para tu nombre y para tu gloria Padre oh. Amén Amen. Father I pray This isn't the interpretation of the prayer But I pray Father that you would increase faith tonight yes. In all of these people that have come forward In each and every one of our hearts Father right now I pray that you would impart new faith. I believe there's some of you that are saying, yes, I believe what God has called me to, but I still have doubt and unbelief, and I want that to go. I say fear, doubt, unbelief, go. Yes. Father, bring these people to a place of total confidence in you. I pray that you would increase their faith in what you're calling them to do. I pray that they would step out and take new steps of faith. I believe many of you have pondered and wondered what is the next step, but I believe many of you know whether it be this freeing up of yourselves from debt, the freeing up of yourselves uh, from commitments or, or, or selling of property so you'll actually be free to go when God's calling you to go. I believe that he's already spoken to you about decisions that you need to make. So, Father, I pray that you would give great boldness and courage to these people to take steps of faith now in order to say, here I am, send me, and they would be ready to go. It wouldn't be put off. I believe, Father, that there's many people here that actually have doubted in that original call. We heard about Abraham and Sarah. 25 years had passed until the birth of a promised son. And sometimes they got distracted. I pray, Father, that we would not be distracted. I pray, Father, that we'd still can, we would be trusting in your promise. I pray that these people would say, yes, I do believe in that promise. I will not give up on that promise. Where there's been setback and hardship and heartache, Father, I pray that you would touch the hearts of the people here tonight. And they say, no, I will go. Maybe you've made a mistake, as Jeremy said, but there is forgiveness. There's grace. I believe there's second and third opportunities for people here. They might have tried something in one way, didn't work out, but actually those that are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. As you go on mission, you will be led by the Spirit of God. Father, I pray too, as Jeremy said, and this is for everyone in this room, Father, we want you to fill us with your power. The day of Pentecost, Father, I pray that you would fill us with your power for each and every one of us to be missional in our communities, in our cities and the places that you would take us. So Father, we say, fill us anew, fill us afresh, give us great vision, expand our horizon, let us look up from where our help comes from. Let us not look on the uh, terrenal, on the things of this earth, but let us lift our eyes to you, the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. 
You are the first and the last. You are the one that sits on the throne. You are the victorious lamb. Father, we ask you to come and meet with all of us and meet with these people with faith and power so that your kingdom would come and you would glorify yourself in the earth. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. Joseph. I think it would be just fitting for the last word uh, from this platform to be from our newest apostolic partner uh, and from a true African prophesying to us. So let's just receive from Joseph and then we're just going to go back into the worship and those who have children probably need to have collected them and sorted them out and we're just going to end this wonderful meeting here but we're going to pick it all up again tomorrow. So Joseph, why don't you pray us out my friend. Thank you Jeremy. I think for many of us, as we've been sensing the Spirit, I just feel this word tonight is a shaping word. Can I hear the men in the house? Mm. And many of you have come to the front. You realize that there's something that's happened. This is not a nice message. As nice as it may sound, there is a sh shift in the Spirit. Mm. I feel many of you that have responded to this, you sense and you know that for some of us, our lives will never be the same again. And you point back and point it to this night when God realigned things in your life. As Jeremy was preaching, Acts 10, 38 was ringing in my ears. And I just want to pray that over us tonight. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about, mark that one, he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the enemy. I feel in this word is locked in a propulsion, a power, an anointing that God is about to release in our lives, all of us who are responding, including myself, that connecting us to nations and nation, whether that's down your street, whether that's in the next town, whether that's to the nation, I feel that right now there is an anointing that God is unlocking, springs that are opening up right now. As we finish this meeting, and for some of us, a start of something new and fresh in the impetus to the movement of our lives into the fulfillment of the purpose of God, in the extension of the kingdom of God, we just want to pray that God will open those springs. Amen. Mm. So if, if you're responding, whether you're in front or you are sit, standing in the pews, could we just do this together? Take your right hand and just put it over your stomach. Those of you especially in front. The Bible says in John 7 that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So we just want to do this as a prophetic thing. And some of you, something is just about to unlock as springs are unleashed to connect you to wherever God has called you, to the nation. For some of you, to things you've been carrying in the womb of your stomach. So Father, as we pray, just take that in. Just take that in. As a family of churches, Christ Central, this is a significant moment as God is repositioning people and families and, 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 and churches for the nation, for the kingdom. 
We speak right now, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, as you are shifting things, you've spoke, spoken about almost like tectonic plates shifting and being repositioned like planets lining up into the purpose of God. Right now, in each one of us that are responding to this, we are asking God, move in our lives. Begin, oh God, movements and shifts that will reposition, align things to connect us to the nations, to that city, to that town, to that people group, Father, to that uh, anointing that you've called us to. Right now, Holy Spirit, come. Just come. Just give a moment to the Spirit. Right across this auditorium, Holy Spirit, you fulfill and accompany the preaching of your word with signs and wonders following. You have spoken to us. Now accompany this word with signs and wonders. Not just tonight, but as we go back to our tents, as we go back, We'll be going back to our homes that this word will continue ringing and shaping. That we are part of a chosen generation to see the fulfillment of the promises of God in our generation. Now move, Holy Spirit. Please move. Love, Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, same anointing that we carry, but to a new, to a new dimension. I pray, Father, right now, just move mm. across this auditorium. Oh. Wherever we, your people are, or every open heart, Holy Spirit, move. <laughs> Jesus' name. Mm. In the name of Jesus. Mm. And with Father, what you've spoken mm. is a reality we carry. More, Lord. More, Father. Take in more. Connect more. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.